Scripture today is on the handout. From Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 8. This is a great follow-up to Easter, this text. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy. And I want to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. I read pretty widely. I read a lot and I read a lot of different kinds of things. And one of the topics that I read a lot on is Success and time management, um, organizational development sort of topics. Some of it is really just essential for me. uh, Because I run a pretty complicated life between family stuff and um, with the church job. It's just a fairly diverse job. There's a lot of different things to keep track of. I'm trying to do some writing right now for the first time in my life. I'm involved in presbytery stuff, and I'm even talking about, I'm even going back to school uh, for some classes here in the fall, uh, doing some online courses. I get pretty busy. And so one of the things I have to be able to do is organize to be able to get through the things that I feel God has called me to do. But I picked up a book I want to recommend to you called What's Best Next by a guy named Matt Perman that talks about getting things done, productivity, getting organized, but from a Christian perspective. And he brought up some things for me that I had never thought about before, and so I've been excited to preach this sermon over the last month as I I burned through the book really pretty fast. But it's been percolating, and I've been waiting for Easter to chomping at the bit a little bit to share some of this with you. So that's what I'm going to do today. Matt Perman said this, He says, if the gospel changes everything, that means it changes even how we work. And I guess I never thought about that. But if the gospel really changes everything, then part of what it has to change is how I approach the things that I have to get done in my life. And I believe God does have things for us to do. Even in this verse, these verses from Titus, it's it's a challenge for us that we would devote ourselves to good works. And so what I want to do today is is develop a little bit of a theology of productivity. Look at the scriptures and talk about how we are supposed to produce certain things in our lives. And then I want to talk practically about some hints to how to do that. And then, you see, we've got all this stuff here. We're going to have a little experiment to try to help you remember some of this stuff. So let's get into the biblical paradigms first. From the beginning of the Bible, we see that we were created to produce fruit. Right from the get-go, God creates and He says, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Now when it says be fruitful and multiply, we understand that partially means children, right? 
But, but it means more than that. It means that God has created us with work to do. We often think that we have to work because of the fall. That's not true. God created us to do things, to create and to work in our world, to be fruitful. Jesus even says it this way. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. God expects us to produce something in our lives, to get something done. It's the proof that we're disciples, and it gives glory to God when we accomplish things. Paul even lays out the fruit of the Spirit, specific fruits that Paul thinks we ought to show in our lives. All these metaphors suggest that we are supposed to produce That we are supposed to be productive. There's another metaphor the Bible uses a lot. And that is the idea of building. That we are building our lives. And that we are building something here on earth. Luke 14, 28-30 says this. For which of you desiring to build a tower. Does not first sit down and count the cost. Whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise when he has laid out a foundation. And is not able to finish. All who see it will begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. See, Jesus is here talking about counting the costs before you become a disciple. Because for Jesus, when you become a disciple, you're building something. You're building yourself as a disciple, but you're also building the works that God has laid out to do. Jesus uses another metaphor in Matthew 7 of the man who's wise builds his house upon the rock. The expectation is we're building and we're building our lives on something. And Jesus wants to make sure that something is the right thing. You are building your life. You just got promoted this morning. You are now the CEO of You Incorporated. And God has work for you to do and He has building that He wants you to do. And you need to sometimes count the costs. Plan out the building before you build it. The Bible says it another way. It said it right there in Titus. That we were created for good works. That there are works. There are things that we need to do to accomplish. There's a number of verses I give you here. But let me just read this first one. Talking about Jesus. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness. And to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. For God, there is good that needs to be done in this world, and we are called to do it. He calls apart a people that are His own, that His work might be accomplished. This means that God has plans for us. Ephesians 2, 8-10, one of the great statements of what Christ has done for us. For by grace you have been saved through faith, This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That phrase beforehand means before time. That when God looked out on time, he said, you know what, there's something I want Jordan to do right here. There's something I want this person to do right here. That God has plans and purpose for, purposes for us. Jeremiah tells us that these are great plans for us. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for, prayers for, plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. God's plans are good for us. 
But the problem we have is that our world, because of sin, is deeply broken. And that means our work is broken too. When Adam is cursed in the garden, Jesus, uh, God says this. Because you did this, cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust. And to dust you shall return. Now most of us are not agricultural workers. But don't, don't the things that we try to accomplish often have thorns and thistles in them? How many of us have projects that go smoothly all the time? No, we try to get something done at work. We try to get something done at home. And the fittings don't fit. And we can't find the right phone number. And that business is out of business, so I can't call them anymore. There's always thorns and thistles to our work because it is a broken world. And because of that, I think as Christians... If we're going to accomplish the things that God wants us to accomplish, we need to plan and we need to prepare. The Bible holds up the ant as an example of this. Who doesn't have anybody managing them, but still manages to look at the seasons and get things done. Or hear these amazing words from the Apostle Paul. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time. Because the days are evil. Paul says the days are evil. And so you, if you want to be wise, the one thing you better watch is your time. Time is a precious commodity. It seems to slip through our hands. Where does our time go? When I was younger, time seemed to go really slow. But every year it seems like the year is shorter. I don't understand it. And the other thing, it, it, managing our time helps us do is manage our anxiety. Right? Jesus says this, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. See, we think about that. We say, okay, well, we can't be worried too much. But I think Jesus is also giving us a great hint here. That if, if you want to get through your life without being too anxious, make sure you do today what you've got to get done today. Make sure you know what you've got to get done today. So I think... Time management is important for us as Christians. I think the world is broken. I think if there are important things that God wants us to get done, if we just haphazardly go through our lives, they're not going to get done. The important things are going to get left behind. And so I want to give you then a few practical tips um, for dealing with your time and dealing with your productivity. First thing is goals. I think if God has things that he has prepared for us to do, we ought to maybe spend some time thinking about what those things are. Now here's the important difference between a lot of success literature and us as Christians. The goals that I have in my life aren't really that important if they're my goals. As a Christian, I die to myself. Which means my goals are not that important. What is important is God's goals for my life. So sometimes I might be ambitious and want to accomplish something. And maybe that's from God. But sometimes I might want something and God says, no, that goal is not my goal for you. And the prayer constantly of Jesus is not my will, but yours be done. And that is the way we should should set our goals. But I think as Christians, we ought to set goals. If God has all these plans and purposes for you, don't you think you ought to spend some time trying to think about what they are? Maybe write them down. Maybe start thinking about how you're going to accomplish them. 
What this can help you do is set your priorities. What is most important to you? What can only you do? What can you, have, what can you do that has the biggest impact on your family, your work, your church? Stephen Covey, the author of a number of books, calls this first things first. I've got to do the most important thing first because if I don't do the most important thing first, it's going to get lost. First things first. As Christians, God has given us some priorities. And if you just haphazardly go through your life, you're going to miss out on some of those important things. Another principle I think is important and has really helped me is the idea of next action thinking. I don't know about you, but in my world, I have a lot of different projects that I'm moving on. And so it can be hard to manage. It can be a little bit overwhelming. And so what I try to do is what I call what's called next action thinking, which means on any project I'm doing, what's the next step that I can accomplish? And I always try to keep a list of what the next step is on any individual project. The metaphor my dad uses is like this. A lot of times in life, you're managing all these different things. It's like rolling tennis balls across the gym floor. You can't just take one tennis ball and roll it all the way to the end. Because if you do that, you'll lose the other ones. They'll start falling behind. And so what you do is you like tap this one, you tap this one, you tap this one, you tap this one. You go back and tap this one again. you got to kind of keep everything going on in your life. Those little taps are next actions. And so what you got to do is figure out with everything you're doing, what's the next thing I can accomplish? What's the thing i got to do today? What's the thing i got to do this week to keep things moving? This is helpful, I think, because as Christians, we ought to be more long-term planners. We live in an instant society. Nobody wants to wait for anything. I recently saw statistics about how younger people want to live financially at the place that their parents are, but they don't want to wait the 40 years their parents took to save and build up to that. So we've got major credit card debt happening for so many young people. That, that's a problem. And it's a problem in our society because we are so instant. As Christians, we understand that we are eternal. That we're doing things that have eternal purposes. So if, if i got to work on something that's going to take me 10 years, as a Christian, I should be okay with that. Because I understand I'm working for things that matter for eternity. Um, Pastor Rick Warren said this one time in a speech I heard. Most people overestimate what they can accomplish in a year. But they grossly underestimate what they can do in 5, 10, 20 years. A lot of people want to rush and get through something right now. But as Christians, I think we have the opportunity to think longer. Okay, keeping moving. Uh, Author David Allen talks about what he calls the closed loop. And this has been really helpful for me. Whenever I say in my head, oh man, i got to get that done. My brain takes storage, takes memory to remember that thing. How many of you have ever been laying in bed... And you sit up and suddenly you remember something you got to do, but you, you, you hadn't thought about it all day. And then suddenly, bam, there it is. Okay? What your brain is doing is it's saying, okay, we've got some downtime. Let me bring this back into your head because you told me to remember this. The second you say, I got to do that or I got to remember that, your brain says, I'll, I'll remind you of that later. One of the things that um, David Allen says is what you got to do is write that stuff down. If you write stuff down, then your brain doesn't have to worry about it, and you have less anxiety. So when you lay down at bed at night, you just go to sleep. You don't start remembering all this other stuff. And the other thing it does is it frees up your memory to be much more creative. This, that's the best benefit for me of keeping the lists that I do in my own life. I can be much more creative because my mind has the freedom to do that. 
I think lists are important. And maybe you're kind of a freewheeling person, but I'm telling you, a little bit of lists of what you've got to get done is really helpful. Daily planning then. If I know what I've got to get done, I'm not trying to use all my memory to, re- to remember it. I've got, got a list, all the stuff I've got to get done. Next actions on my projects. And I, I've, got, I've got my priorities, so I know what those important things are. Now I can plan my day. A couple hints here. First of all, always do the thing that you most need to do and the thing that you least like to do first. Okay? Brian Tracy says it this way. If you have to eat a frog, do it first thing in the morning. That way you know the worst part of your day is over. If you hang on to stuff all day, you're going to be dreading it and you're not going to get much other stuff done. If you have something you really have to do that's important and you have stuff you really don't want to do, get those things knocked out early. The rest of your day goes so much better. Another tip. This I got from this book. This was new to me, but it's really been helping me of late. Plan your day to about 70% capacity. Okay, if you plan out every minute of everything you've got to get done today, inevitably you're going to get interrupted. And here's the interesting thing as Christians. As Christians, sometimes our interruptions are the most important parts of our day. And Jesus all the time is getting interrupted. Somebody stops him because they need healed. Those are the God moments. And we need to plan for those in our lives. A couple more quickly. Urgent versus important. There are some things that are going to demand your time. Sometimes we call them squeaky wheels. Those are the things that are going to say, you got to do this right now. But there are other things that are important, but not necessarily urgent. Um, in fact, most of the most important things in our lives are never urgent. Bibles, reading your Bible is never really that urgent. Like, oh, i got to read my Bible. Physical fitness is never really that urgent, unless you're training for a marathon or something specific. Okay, um, Family tends to, tends to not demand your attention in the same way, but really developing your family eh, kind of goes down. But in life, important things are the most important things. And often you've got to distinguish between those urgent things and those important things and make sure the urgent doesn't crowd out the important. The Bible gives us a great hint for productivity called Sabbath. This is backwards for us. Most of us don't even Sabbath. We get a day off of work. And you know what we do? We mow the grass. And we clean the kitchen. And we make those phone calls. We run those errands. But the Bible talks about really resting. Resting allows you to stop and reset your priorities. To rest. And I have found if I really take Sabbath seriously, I'm able to work harder the rest of the week. Because I know I've got this day that I'm going to take and not do much. The other thing it does is it gives you a weekly deadline. If I know, all, most of our weeks are most productive when we're going on vacation, right? We want to get all our stuff done before we go on vacation. So when we go on vacation, we don't have to worry about it. If you really take Sabbath seriously, you'll do that every week and it'll really help you. Okay, sharpen the saw. Stephen Covey talks about this. If you want to effectively cut down a tree, he says, the first thing you do is sharpen the saw. And what he's talking about there is, is, is you, The tool that you use in your life is you. What are you doing to sharpen yourself? To read, to study, to get better at whatever you're doing in your life and whatever you're called for in your life. Well, you might say, Jordan, I'm not much of a reader. Well, I'm telling you, reading blogs and books and articles about whatever your field is, you can learn from everybody else's mistakes and successes and do so much better. So you say that you're not much of a reader, then I'm telling you, You're not fulfilling all of your potential that God has for you. 
Get better. Grow. Learn in the areas that God is calling you to do. Be the person that's ready for God's plans. And let me just comment real quick on health and circumstances. Uh, I think most of you know that I just recently dealt with shingles. So for the first time, I really had several weeks, about a month, where I just was not very productive. And uh, sometimes in our health concerns, that's the way it is. We can't get as much done. I had to greatly lower my expectations. But can I also tell you that this stuff became more important to me in my health concerns, not less. That if I only had an hour where I was feeling good, I had to do whatever was most important. I had to do whatever was going to have the biggest impact. And so I think I understand health concerns in a much different way, having been laid up for about five weeks. But I also understand the importance of this and understanding what God still can do through you in a phone call, in an email, in sending a card. And if you can make those things important, it'll be beneficial. Okay, we're going to do an experiment because I really want to try to help this come through for you. Okay. Yeah, we ready for this? If anything, you're going to remember this. And if anything, you should know that when I say next week is crazier than this week, you better be here. Okay. You, you know, you'll be fun. It's not, we're not, it's not that much of an experience. Okay. This is sand. And it represents little stuff in our lives. A lot of stuff that we, maybe we have to do. Maybe it's not that important. Things that maybe aren't really that Important, but maybe are urgent, but little stuff. Okay? These are the things that seem to take up our time, right? I gotta feed the dog. I gotta go to the grocery store. Stuff maybe I can't avoid, but I could do tomorrow. Let's see how badly I spill this. Hey, that's pretty good. Okay, these things are bigger things. These are things that maybe are urgent and important, stuff, stuff we've got to get done, but, but and there are a lot of them. I, I really do have to go to the store, right? If I run out of toilet paper, I really, really got to go to the store, so maybe that becomes more important as, the, as this goes on. Now let's see how I do this. rocks are the big things, the important things, the things that don't necessarily demand our time, but are still important, like faith, like developing my family, like reading and developing myself, sharpening my saw, okay, like planning for my future. But what do you notice? I have no room for these things. I'm always out of time. Anybody feel like this? Right? I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to really plan. I don't have time to really look and develop myself for the future. Many of us live our lives like that. So, let's try this again. Let's do what we've been saying. And let's try priorities. Let's try first things first. So what I'm going to do 
is actually do whatever is most important. And I'm going to plan, and I'm going to make some decisions, and get those things in my life first. Then, some of these things that are also... That one's not that important. Some of these things that are kind of important, I'm going to try to get them in. doing better. This works better in my kitchen. Okay, we're pretty close. Now watch this. Now I let all those little things fit in my life wherever they need to. And I plan my life not around all the little stuff. But I plan my life around the big stuff. What do you notice? It's fitting. Other than the ones I dropped. I got a couple gaps in here. I didn't do this real well. This little stuff will fit around the big stuff. But the big stuff will not fit around the little stuff. Isn't that interesting? When you get to the end of your life, when you get to the end of your life, it's not going to matter how many errands you ran, not going to matter how many little things you got done. You're going to have some big questions at the end of your life about your relationship with God, about how you did with your family, about the things that you accomplished in this world that are valuable. And if those are going to be your priorities at the end of your life, maybe they ought to be your priorities on Monday morning too. And as Christians, I think, we've only got so much time. We've only got so much space. But I really believe, as Christians, God has things He wants us to accomplish. And if you don't plan for it, and if you're not intentional about it, I really believe you're going to miss out on some of the things that God has for you to do. So prioritize. Plan. Be a little intentional in your life. Not so that you're saved. We're not trying to earn our salvation. Salvation's already done. But... We are saved not because of our works, but we are saved for good works. Plan, be intentional, and do the things that God has for you to do. Let's pray. Lord, we are only human. Forgive us that we live in an instant society, that we want everything right now, that we think we can accomplish everything, and so often we miss out on the things that are truly important. Please, 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 Lord. Guide and direct us that our plans would be your plans and our goals would be your goals and that we would not miss out on the things you have prepared for us to do. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.